Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. You're listening to WNPR. Happy New Year, <laughs> VOTL. What, what? Happy New Year. Well, I broke my, uh, I didn't make, I don't make resolutions, but I thought, oh, maybe I'll try dry January. Nope. Day two. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know. Dry as in not drinking? Yeah. And I think, you know, the idea maybe now it, it should be, it should be dry-ish, you know, like just be more mindful, you know, so maybe, and honestly, think about it. You can't, you can't just make these drastic changes. Like I'm going to omit drinking. No, Ish. just reduce. All right, I will omit drinking if you omit drinking. That's we'll not do this fair. Together. You have to omit energy drinks if we I omit We will do drinking. this together. No, that's baloney because you don't even drink. If you omit energy drinks, perhaps. Would you actually take me up on that? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. You've heard it first on the podcast. Breaking news. Matt Harbach gives up his energy drinks. Well, we kind of already, you kind of already broke yours. We'd have to find. I don't want you to have, to have a heart a, attack. We have to find a similar starting point. I mean, we could start now. I mean, after wait, 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 wait. Let me let me consider yeah. my oh, week. Oh yeah, oh, oh, <laughs> let, oh, oh, let me oh, tell I'm you. Sorry. <laughs> Find a suitable starting point. Yeah. I don't know, but let's explore that. Maybe I don't know. Put some money on. Ooh. I could see Annie coming back. I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> <laughs> <That's Seinfeld. laughs> oh man. Yeah. The that's, next day, just throwing my money on the ground on the table. I'm I, out. I put money on it. We'll talk about this okay. afterwards. I, right. I think I was actually talking to somebody uh, recently about h- how hazardous goals are for this person mm. because goals mean that it's like an end point. Mm-hmm. And like if I get it, then I can overindulge on yes. the other way. Like, yes. oh, I made it to that point. And if it's something that's bad for you, you know, you want to create habits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That says I want to be the kind of person who's not using this. Yes. Now, you know, drinking is a is up for debate on how much you can or what does it do to you, anything like that. But if it's like something that's really detrimental to your health or something that you actually need to stop, then a goal is probably not the best thing. But all right, how can I craft a day by day habit so that I don't fall back into this? So well, yeah, it's think, just interesting that yeah. I think just making small. You know, I was talking to my hairdresser and just making small. Uh, adjustments, you know, like instead of saying, I'm only going to eat vegetables, you could say, I'm going to really focus on adding mm-hmm. more vegetables so there that you're go. not kind of setting. And yet it isn't just a goal like, oh, now I only eat vegetables. It's like, you know, I, you can maintain a lifestyle mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I liked your sermon this week, even though I don't uh, like <laughs> resolutions and I don't believe in them. I do think it makes sense to kind of take, just kind of take a look at yourself and say like, okay, the holidays are over, mm-hmm. you know, the parties are kind of over, the mm-hmm. indulgences are over. And so maybe now's a good time to kind of just yeah. rethink through some things. Yeah. I, I've thought of them as dials. Like mm-hmm. does one need to be dialed up or dialed down? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any, is there any feedback from my body that's saying this is not good and do I need to listen to that? I think that can be helpful too. Like mm-hmm. it, your, your body will let you know if you're out of whack in one area. But the big point of that, maybe, could I go first since you jumped yeah, into it? Yeah, right, I'll do the first topic. Uh, the big point of the sermon was 
you can have all these goals, all these dreams, all these hopes to, to make these changes that you know are necessary. But what I have found in myself and others is what keeps people from really starting or keeping is shame. Uh, and we talked a little bit about the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt is a good thing. And it's interesting in our therapeutic culture. I mean, even when we had uh, that clinical therapist here, a Christian therapist, she talked about how kind of secular therapy, their goal is to get rid of all guilt mm. and kind of reason it away why you shouldn't feel bad about some things. And it's not all bad to feel bad sometimes. You know, if you did something wrong, you, you don't want sociopaths. You want people, to their conscience to be pricked and, and say, um, I'm, I'm sorry. But shame, that's a real different thing. That's like this cloud that's nebulous that you can't really grab onto, but it just kind of follows you around that I'm totally worthless. There was actually a study done um, now called the Adverse Childhood Experience mm -hmm. Study. I think we talked about it before, but it started as a weight loss study. And this doctor was seeing these, these incredible results for some people. They were losing all this weight and then they were immediately gaining it back. And he found that the people who immediately gained it back were people who had had adverse childhood experience, sexual abuse or, or, or physical abuse in their childhood. And they saw weight gain as either a coping mechanism or a safety mechanism. Well, no one will find me, you know, no one will notice me if I just stay kind of un, unhealthy looking. I'll, 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 and it was just this cover of shame. They didn't feel like they deserved it because this thing happened to them. Um, and so that, that's what I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I don't know what you guys thought about that idea that understand the difference between guilt and shame and how shame, when it becomes your whole identity, I'm a shameful person that I don't, even if I could change, I'm not going to change because I don't deserve to change how shame is different than guilt. Have you heard that distinction before? What well, do you think? Not really. I haven't, but I, I can kind of apply it. And I think I wonder too, if you can ever like escape shame like can you ever do enough mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so Correct. like i think about some you know moms i think especially have a lot of mom guilt mm -hmm. you know um i've got a friend who really has this and and now that we're talking about it it seems almost more like it's it's not like shame like yeah can't ever quite do enough even though she's like dynamite you know mm -hmm. she's great works hard takes care of the kid, you know like just great person yep. and great mom but yet always feels like she's mm -hmm. never doing enough. And it's mm -hmm. almost more like now we're thinking she's like living in like a world of shame. Mm -hmm. But could you ever really get out of that? You know, like, I don't think it's bad to say, you know, if you're feeling like, I think we've all had moments of imbalance where we're yeah. like, yeah, I've been kind of lazy lately or, yeah. or, you know, I could probably spend more time with the kids or do, you know, spend more time doing this or that. And so kind of like the dials, you know, yeah. turning it up or down. Um, but I, I don't know that, I don't know that for her there's anything like she could be doing that would right. absolve her of her feelings of shame because that's what it seems to me more like shame than guilt. Right. Is, is that shame? I don't know. Is well, it? I, so that's when it becomes all-encompassing where it's... Uh, so guilt is like... The line? Guilt is like I did something wrong and so I'm going to go to that person and say I'm sorry. But shame is this idea that Mm -hmm. No matter what I do, I'm always wrong. And even if I tried, I you know I shouldn't even try because I'm going to be in the same place anyways. I can't do any better. Um, shame is an identity. It comes from maybe 
guilt, like you have this guilt, like, okay, maybe, yeah, like you said, maybe I didn't do the perfect thing for my kid this time, but then you kind of blow that up as your whole identity, that this is the only thing that represents who you are, um, and this is your identity. So you, you can't escape from it in the same way I think maybe you could for guilt, where you, 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 you go to God and ask for forgiveness, and you go to the person and ask for forgiveness, and then if you, like it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if you stole someone's property, give it back. If you, you know, hurt someone's feelings, apologize, do what you can to amend that relationship. But with shame, it's not about the person, it's not about the kids, it's not about the actions, it's about the identity. Mm-hmm. So you have to mm-hmm. find a way to re find a new identity. That's kind of what the point of the sermon was, get a new identity. And that I believe that happens when you really accept what the Bible says about your identity, uh, that you're you're made by God. You're, you're also, I think it happens when you when you accept the forgiveness of sins, that he loves you, he's happy with you. And then third, I think when you start to see, have a more healthy understanding of your purpose, like, and you get it off yourself. So these kids that this this mother uh, is concerned about, is the shame making her a better mother? Probably not. It's probably making her worse, right? Like it's self-defeating prophecy mm-hmm. where you, if you're so ashamed, then you, then you don't want to do anything, you don't want to do anything, then you're neglecting those people you care about. And so sometimes I think one of the ways to break out of that is to just see how, to see the needs of your kids in that moment and take care of that need and see that purpose in your life so that you get off thinking about yourself altogether. Think about those kids and what they need in the moment. Well, I almost wonder if in this case, it's a, it's an idea that uh, doing everything, like in other doing everything for your kids and not take, not this might sound selfish, but not taking any time right. for you. Sure. Mm-hmm. What, and That's important for, too. It, I mean, it is, whether it's sleep or mm-hmm. socializing with your friends and taking time for yourself because I think, I think we all need to recharge at some mm-hmm. point. So I think the form is kind of taking, you know, like this, I'm going to completely disregard any mm-hmm. need that I might have yeah. and and just put it all into my husband and my kids. Yep. And if you're not getting sleep and if you're not taking care of yourself, it's easy to have irrational ideas. It's hard to like tone down the irrational thoughts, you know, so... Yeah, uh, I think that's really important. And yeah, maybe to do the opposite where you you, you recognize that your kids are going to do some things that screw they screw up. They, they can take care of themselves more than you think. Uh, it's not all riding on you. All those things, yeah, facing some of those l- lies. But in her mind too, it's probably like I'm being selfless. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm... I am, you know, not being selfish at all. I'm giving everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to stem out of guilt, right? Somehow, yeah. mm-hmm. if you're... Mm-hmm. I have to make up s- for it. Yeah, in yeah. some way. Not always, but in some cases like that, I think that that comes from that. Got to make up for it or... I do think it's a huge identity issue. And I, I guess that's what I want to talk about. Like if if you feel like you're not worthy of care of sleep, of, of, of food, of exercise, of entertainment or joy or whatever, if you don't feel like you're um, worthy of any of those things, you won't attend to those things. If you don't feel like uh, you are 
that, that God cares about you, that you have to make up your own value, you have to make up your own worth, and that, that debt column is so bad that you, you can never make up for that. I think that's what keeps people stuck in those cycles. But um, if somehow you can see a, clear, a better reality that you're not an accident, God knew you before the creation of the world, that he gave you those kids uh, as an opportunity to serve, not as your whole identity, not as not as uh, the thing that you have to base your life on, but as something to do. I mean, it's a, it's a responsibility, but not your identity. And if you can get there, um, yeah, I think you can find a little freedom. What do you think, Matt? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I well, well how do you, how do you deal with guilt? I don't. I okay. Just let it build up. Yeah, but then do you, does it? Is there ever a point where it like cross, like it crosses a line mm-hmm. to become shame, mm-hmm. or do you ever get yeah, or you know, or any? I mean, anybody can can guilt become you know so bad where you you cross a line over into shame? Where where does that line happen? And I don't know. I mean, when Ben said uh, when Ben said that you 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 uh, differentiated the two, one says that I did something wrong, one says that. I am something mm. wrong. Mm-hmm. I had also never really heard that distinction. Um, I um, that makes like those words make sense to me. I don't know how that plays out in somebody's life, like when one becomes the other. I think a healthy person, when you say, "Hey, man, that really hurt my feelings," or "That was not cool," or "Don't do that," or "You you you said you're going to do this, you didn't do that," a healthy person says. Oh man, My I'm bad. sorry. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'm not going to do that again. And and then, you know, even can, as they reflect on the day and go to God and say, God, I, you know, this revealed my selfishness. Forgive me and and take the Lord's Supper and receive all that forgiveness. I think that's that's one way. But if you were to say like, Hey, man. That really hurt my friends. I know I'm always doing that. That's just who you know, and uh, it's just and, who then, I am. and then you spend yeah. the rest of the day, no matter how many times you go to God and no many times you say you're sorry, it becomes this all-encompassing thought that's in your mind all the time. I knew it. This proves what I always thought about myself. I'm never going to be any different. That's what I do. And then you, it's like a self-sabotaging. I think anyone caught in addicted addictions, this can be a really this keeps you in that addiction loop. Um, you know, I know quite a p- few people that made bad choices or things that they've done or things that have done to them. And it's been, the guilt is so severe that they go to a coping mechanism, whether that's drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is. And then they feel really bad about doing that. And so they go oh, back into yeah. that same stuff and it becomes this this never-ending loop, and and then it, it's all covered in this all-encompassing shame, where you can't even get out of it because now it's not, I did something wrong, but this is my whole life, this is my whole identity. So, I, um, yeah, I guess there's not a. The first time I heard it was actually from uh, Brene Brown. She's not a Christian, but she, or not Christian. She's a psychologist. I don't know if she identifies Christian or not, but I thought so. So maybe it's more psychological terms but i think there is theological terms also because like when the apostle paul in romans chapter 7 talked about his sin he's got this really hard battle with sin and he, he goes into detail in romans 7 he says you know the good i want to do that's not what i do but the 
the bad that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. But when I do that, it's actually not me. It's sin living in me that does it. And so he didn't identify with that sin. He didn't say, all I am is sin, and this is my core identity. Even when he looked at himself and saw the sin in his life, he kept it at a distance. He didn't see it as his core identity. And I think when it becomes your core identity, that's where you know de- really severe depression, really severe anxiety comes in because you you can't get out of the cloud. You don't see any hope. You don't see any change. Uh, so I think that's like a symptom of it is you, you have no hope. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Matt? Um, interesting that you equated or uh, associated it with an addiction. Yeah. Because I think in my experience that shame or guilt or self-loathing or whatever you want to call it, that is an addiction too. Right. Yes. Exactly. You get addicted to that feeling. Mm-hmm. You, what you feeling? Get... What? What? How could that be addicting? Because <laughs> you identify with it. It's 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 how you you feel like you're paying for your sin by always beating yourself up. Oh. I think that's what keeps people in that cycle. And you know, then if you have any good feelings, you, you like this isn't normal. I shouldn't feel this way. And mm-hmm. because you identify as somebody who's always a problem, so I always have to keep myself on nice. the cross kind of thing. Man. I think, so there is, we're bodies and souls. I think I've said this on the podcast before. So there are physiological reasons like of, of being sad or angry or anxious, like if you don't sleep enough, your kid, just think about like when a toddler doesn't sleep enough and he's sad or angry, like, okay, you just need to sleep. <laughs> and, and so for some of this, like when we have depression, anxiety, or all these, other, sometimes you need, uh, there's a chemical imbalance, there's a psychological reason, there's a physiological reason. But I think so many people are caught up in addiction or the addicted to that sad feeling, whatever it is, um, there's a spiritual reason behind it, and that's the shame. Yeah. So I think that's what... Now, this kind of does, I think, dovetail with the Enneagram. I, I just, I'd spent the last couple <laughs> weeks read, <laughs> a couple a couple days, I my kids got me a, a gift card to uh, Half Price Books, my favorite place to go. I just love just wandering in the bookstore and picked up a couple uh, new books, and two of them were on the Enneagram, and it was fascinating to think about how certain personalities go to a certain where do they go in times of stress? And I think some people are more disposed towards sadness. Some people are more disposed towards anxiety. Some people are more disposed to anger. And I think I know which one you are. And I think I know, you know, I, I think, right? Like if you're under stress, like you, you're ready to punch somebody, right? How did you know? Oh, I feel and, attacked. Yeah. And then Not some really. people, uh, yeah, you want to punch Don't me? Don't go too hard. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. But then some people um, go towards worry and anxiety, like their their personality leads them there. It's almost predictable, like when they they get in that shame cycle or whatever it is, they'll, they'll get really anxious. And and then some people, it's sadness. And I think uh, 
you just have to be aware of that. And the, the root cause isn't always your behavior or what you did. It's the spiritual stuff and the emotional stuff behind it. So, yeah. So not, I think that's why you're like, how could every, anyone do that? That's, you know. <laughs> Just go punch a wall or something, <laughs> that's man. Right. That's Come right. on. <laughs> so Kidding, I, I, I think that th- that's what keeps us from maybe, I think there's a big segment that that's where they go. Uh, some people go towards anger. Yeah. So uh, to to shift topic just slightly, yeah. What about a shame culture, meaning a culture in which there's a critical mass of 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 similar ideology about certain things, like honor shame culture. You're saying versus yes, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you mean by that? So like traditional cultures, uh, m- like may, you got a- pregnant. Now the town all looks at you weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think in many like traditional cultures, um, Asia, uh, it's interesting. I think Mexico's on this side of it too. Mexican culture versus like Puerto Rican culture is not as much a, a shame honor, but a shame honor. And even Middle Eastern, like Je- Jesus's culture that he would have been preaching is more of a shame honor culture. And so keeping the honor of the community mm. is more important than the individual's freedom or liberty or whatever like you your role is to keep the honor of the community and we have the exact opposite of that right mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. it's we have the you know your only the only goal is to be unique and express yourself and be different. Yeah, yeah. Di- differentiate yourself from the community. Hmm. Um, it's powerful. Uh, it's a powerful means of controlling behavior. Or, or you know, there's some things that all bad. Is it no? All- I don't think it's all bad in the sense of like um, it creates clear lines of like. Uh, what is my role and where do I fit? And it can create really deep bonds, but there's almost no forgiveness. You know, um, there you punish, you punish this person at the expense of, of, uh, you know, to, to keep the honor. You, you're showing that you really honor your right. community by totally ostracizing this person from the community. And so that can be really dangerous and really horrible. Um, but, I think the other issue and maybe why there's so much anxiety in our culture is like if you always have to be unique and you always have to stand out and you always have to be your own version of you or be your best self or whatever that is, you don't know where you stand and you don't know where you fit. And that can create a lot of uncertainty and and no clear moral or ethical or even purposeful lines in your life. But can't so. you do both? You know, yeah, think, right. I mean, I think that's what was so incredible about Jesus is that um, he did do both, where uh, still had high ethics for the community, and that one, you know, you should you should care more about others than about yourself, care more about the community than about yourself, and yet um, it's okay. And it, Paul talked about this too that. Yes, we're one body with many parts, so we do have unique things to add, but it's still for the good of the community. And if 
I think what a lot of shame on our cultures don't have is the forgiveness. Like, let's bring you back into the community. Let's forgive you and welcome you back in, and we're going to support you. And when when they have that, that's the best opportunity. Yeah, but shame is powerful. Yeah, I think we have almost more of a shame culture than we think we do. Thinking about like the Twitter mobs, like sure. the rules are different, but there's still rules. There's still like collective judgment about certain things. Who's in, who's out. Yeah. 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 There's no means of, you know, reconciliation, right. forgiveness, welcoming back in, those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. So it's really powerful. I, you know, whether it's your friend or, or whoever it is, I think shame doesn't serve us where guilt can. Guilt mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. be like, okay, I need, yeah, man. I'm overspending. I'm overeating. I'm overdoing it. I'm not caring about this. I yeah, I need to wake up. I need to change. Shame doesn't allow for change because it's a cloud and you just stay stuck in your cloud. And uh, so hopefully people can see those changes and, and uh, find a whole new identity. And that's what you want to see, man. When you see somebody who's just comfortable in their own skin, that's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. I feel attacked. Good stuff. <laughs> Same, dude. No, Why do you fine. feel attacked? No, I was just kidding. About okay, my, about all right. my anger issues. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. But well, what I love about the Enneagram, as weird as it might be, is like I think it's good for you to know what is the check engine light on your life when you're not healthy. And if I would say, well, I'm not angry. Well, I don't get angry. That's not my go-to. But if I get sad, like, okay, I need to fix this. And uh, so everyone just to be aware of their own vices and where they go. Yeah. Have you take, have you done the Enneagram, Matt? Uh, I, yeah, I'm either like a five or an eight. The pe- I, eight's I, a peacemaker or a chal- challenger? Eight is a challenger. challenger yeah. Oh. Five is like a daydreamer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Five is somebody who tries to get as much information as they can and they're afraid to make decisions. So they don't want to, yes, they Mm. they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to do too much, but until they have all the information, feel they really pride and security. I was just talking to my friend about this. And my friend asked me like, why does it always take you so long to like choose off a menu or like you go to the store and you're just looking at like the Uh crackers or whatever it is. Like, why does it take you so long? It's like, because in my brain, there is a right answer. Yeah. It's not like, oh, look at all these options. It's like, these are all wrong. There's one correct one. <laughs> so you have to like just constantly weigh tons of information. Yeah. Be like, well, this is the price per ounce, but do I really want that much? Maybe I just get a smaller one. Do I like this flavor? Right. Yes, but I've already had it. Maybe I should try a new one, but that one's really salty. I already have a bunch of salty snacks at home. Maybe I should get <laughs> oh my sweet. goodness. And I would just be like, you're taking too long. Grab a box and go. Yeah. yeah. It's too much. You're I don't done. care if I make yeah. the wrong decision. Like, we'll figure it out. It's fine. There is a right answer. No. Every time I look at a menu or anything, it drives me crazy. You could. Have you ever been to, I've never, I haven't even been there. I just hear like the Cheesecake Factory menu is like yeah. five pages long. That's where you we die. were. <gasps> That's where we were. It's like a 12 page menu and you're like, oh. I would have got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> Call a cab, Matt. We're out of here. <laughs> Uber, Uber your way yeah. home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nightmare in there. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> so I don't know. 
if that would ever be helpful. But sometime I was like, oh, would it be good to do like a class on that here? And just so like a guilt shame class or an Enneagram? Uh, Enneagram, just so like people would be aware of their deadly sin or their vice, you know, because it's pretty. Not everybody's going to probably fall into the same sin over and over again. You're probably going to, this is the one thing that you're probably going to struggle with the rest of your life. So just to be able to identify that and get, you know, get after that. Well, and I think to be able to understand others as well. Like, exactly. You know, other Have a little empathy. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's good for me. Annie, let's hear it. Yeah. So um, I have a tattoo appointment in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what I know. are you getting? What's that? What are you getting? And can um, you tell us? Yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be on my arm. It's it's uh, in honor of my mother, and it's it's going to be like a cameo, um, which is I actually have a ring on, so it's like a little face with like a thing around. It's a Victorian looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I stumbled across an article that asks if you know the Bible forbids tattoos, and mm-hmm. can you go to heaven if you have tattoos and whatnot. So. Um, the answer was no. Well, I'm in trouble because uh, this will be my fifth one. Late. Yeah, it's a little yeah. late for this. <laughs> so well, but I, you know, I think, yeah. So I just kind of wanted to talk about that and mm-hmm. you know, see what the Bible had to say. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think usually what people would say is the Old Testament gives us some wisdom, but if it's not repeated in the New Testament, it's not a binding law in the sense you know and so you have to ask well why so you're it's in leviticus chapter 19 where it says do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves i am the lord so this is a whole kind of section in morality and what what they're supposed to be doing and what kind of sets them apart also in this section it talks about um you know don't uh, plant in your field two different kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two different types of material. Uh, do not shave the corners of your beard or cut the edges of your hair. Well, see you guys in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the reason God gave these laws was the whole thing was about keeping Israel separate. And it was to teach them some things. Um, even the uh, the the clean unclean like you couldn't eat pork or you couldn't yeah. eat bats or things like that or or yeah different types of insects and the the reason was um, they were to be set apart in every way possible and the the food laws were about eating things that had a clear order to them that God created things with order. And they fit clearly in the days of creation. But a bat, is that a bird or is that a, a an animal or, or a land animal? And so it didn't seem to fit clearly. And, and so the, the nation of Israel was supposed to be this one that, that was filled with order and, uh, you know, putting together two different types of, of seed. This doesn't, th- this isn't orderly. It doesn't, it doesn't show the, the, the clean organization of creation and they're supposed to represent God. Now the tattoos, I think that had a lot to do with um, pagan rituals. You're supposed to separate from the the, the foreign pagan gods that would, um, you know, do lots of different spiritual marks to try to um, either 
look like the gods or create sympathy. Sacrifice yeah, to the gods. Sacrifice to the gods, create sympathy for the gods, you know, go through a painful sacrifice of initiation so that you would get their they, they would feel sorry for you and bless you. Uh, this happens uh, when Elijah is battling against the the prophets of Baal and they're cutting themselves to try to get Baal to um, pay attention. Pay attention. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Um now the next question is is it wise? I think that's another thing is like no. <laughs> well, why not? Well, I mean, is so so you, you, I don't think you should there's kind of the joke like you go to the bar and then you go get a tattoo late at night and you wake up in the morning like what did I just you know the <laughs> this never done that. <laughs> and you look at like do I want this on my body when I'm 80 years old or is this, you know, is this really something I'm excited about uh, long term. So I don't know if it's a, it's an idea of right or wrong, but you know, wise or unwise and why am I doing it? Motivation. And so much of the new Testament is God treating us like adults asking us like, why are you doing it? And so you're talking about remembering your mother and honoring her. Um, I, I could see that as a very beautiful thing and, and a discussion piece and something that's going to helpful for you and a way for you to go through the grieving process, all that, those things. So I think that's, um, it's more of a wise, unwise. I, I, you know, are we? It's all in that same chapter. Are we really going to, you know, go <laughs> condemn people who plant different types of seed and wear different types of clothing and all those kinds of things? That those were specific to that context that God was using those as a teaching tool. I know Pastor Mike Novotny, who does Time of Grace Ministries, got a tattoo. And then he had a whole article and video series on it too. So I think that could be a helpful resource for people who are wondering about it. I feel comfortable with it. I feel like I know where I'm going, so I'm not really worried. Yeah. But I just, you know, I just wonder if, if, and it seems like the perception in general has changed right. over the years. Yes. You know, like there were times, you know, when I, you know, I was first entering the job force, sure. you know, it was like you could not have right. visible facial piercings, um, you know, unnatural hair color yeah tattoo visible tattoos and that was like something you could not do if you were going to work at starbucks or right uh you know boston store wherever you know yeah but now it seems like it's not it's just not really a thing you know pastors have you know tattoos and you know i professionals doctors have you know full full sleeve tattoos i'm not going to trust them any less because they have a full sleeve you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah, that's like a progressive commercial, right? Where the the dads, like, it's got tattoos. Oh, <laughs> it can't be trusted. It can't be trusted. Generate. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a cultural thing. It's a perception thing. I, I I don't think people care much anymore. Now the face tattoo, Mike Tyson. You think that's a good idea? Well, he in himself is not a good idea. He <laughs> he he. <laughs> I mean, that's a bad example, but we could talk about like post Malone and the facial tattoos. I mean, are really a thing. Yeah. Um, they just look weird to me. It's like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm looking at right now. I, I don't, <laughs> I would not do it myself, but I don't mind it for, you know, outrageous personalities sure. and things like that. Like I, um, for me, it's just like this is a permanent thing, mm-hmm. and some of these personalities that you're taking on is a short-lived thing. Are you going to be happy about that in thirty, well, forty and it years? Also That's seems, all. It seems like a lot of maintenance too, in the sense that like it, it's a whole aesthetic, right? Yeah. So like, 
you can't just walk out the door, throw your hair up and have a big face tattoo. Like it, you have to do all the makeup and do the hair to yeah. make it like look presentable. Right. I think so. Like you got to keep up the whole persona. You got to keep up the whole persona. Otherwise, you just having a random face tattoo is like extra weird. Yeah. You know, but if you're doing the whole look all the time and you're always done up and you're always, you know, and I see it on, you know, my favorite TikTok <laughs> and I see it you know, on Instagram and. There's a girl I follow. She's got um, the word, uh, I think I'm saying it right, me phobia tattooed under her, like her eye. Okay. Like on her cheekbone. And um, I got to Google what it what it means, but. Um, that just seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's kind of, and, and I don't Afra- know if there's. Afraid of myself? Well, I don't know that there's an actual like definition for it, but. According to Urban Dictionary, it's the fear of becoming so awesome that the human race can't handle it. And everybody, you know, and so, yeah, so she's got this tattoo and and uh, she does all these different makeup looks and sure. whatnot. And, but, yeah, I mean, that's a, that to me seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, so just anyway, get us just stick to like the like the the fruit candy ones you like put on your tongue and that way it doesn't have to stick around for too long yeah. what are those called the fruit roll-ups fruit roll-ups yeah they have the tattoos yeah tattoo yeah. yeah there you go yeah. well now there is like ink and art that will last a little a longer and stuff right yeah. yeah so that give that a shot for a little while see if in a couple weeks Dude, you still watch like out. this i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna show up one day with a temporary <laughs> face tattoo oh man i, I think won't. i think you could pull it off Maybe. i don't think i I could pull it off. Matt, you could definitely not What would pull you get if you no. had to have on your face? This Wait. is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin, he got his, his, a ring tattoo. So he knows yeah, that. I that's think nice. That's nice. I mean, I that just like that, that permanent, you know, it's always there. Um, but yeah. Oh, if I had, I know the answer to this one. Mm-hmm. I would just tattoo. Um, regular eyes on my eyelids so that they would look open when they were closed just to scare people. Or to sleep when you're... (laughs) (laughs) To make it look like you're awake. To sleep in our staff meetings, yeah, because I definitely don't do that. (laughs) Does this have to do with what we said, you know, if you talk about persona and that like crazy individualism that I have to make it bigger and... Mm -hmm. I think think definitely. Like the number of like piercings, haircut, like just the amount you can customize... People mm-hmm. like have to go all out in one direction so that mm-hmm. they can look different. It's like the Madonna to Lady Gaga to whatever, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. as far as far as you yep. can go to. Yeah. And that, that there's a lot of anxiety there because then you have to keep that going. Like you said, I mean, not you just you have to keep that persona going and has to keep being extreme. And where is the love for others? I, I, I get, you know, wanting to express yourself, though. I understand that or wanting, you know wanting to say something that's true about human nature or about life or whatever, like a art artistic expression. I get that. But man, if you make it all by yourself, that, 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 that's a never ending rabbit hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, Speaking of are you going to take a, are you going to, when are you getting this done? Uh, January um, 16th, okay. I think. And then so that I think I've got, yeah, two sessions. So that'll be one that I'll go back. In a, a, It'll be a, color, time. full color. No, I think black and white, black like and white. scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you have, don't you have the Raven, Poe, or what is no, that? No, I have a trumpet. Trumpet. My dad and then some others. I actually have Tetelestai tattooed on my lower back. All right. Tramp cool. stamp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is finished. It is finished. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
And, and then I have some others that I don't want to talk about okay. on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have a topic, Matt? Yes, I do. All right. I was uh, listening to one of the great thinkers of our age, the one and only Bill Burr, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and And he was just telling a story about how he was watching the news and he just like, he just like when there's like sad stories, like he just can't help but laugh. And his wife doesn't like that because she's like crying and he'll just burst out laughing and be like just horrific things happening on the news. And then, you know, he was basically like the news isn't real. Yeah. You know, like nothing you see, like it's what, I mean, what, what even is it? Like, are Mm -hmm. we supposed to just, Mm -hmm. it's obviously trying to manipulate us. And I, I was sitting there like, well, heck yeah, I I agree with everything he's saying. Um, it's because you're a robot. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's like, seriously, like you, this is, it's all just like manipulation trying to get you to feel one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's entertainment at this point. So my question is like, how much do you actually believe the news? Um, and I mean, being misinformed or uninformed, I don't know. Where, where do you draw the line? I don't know if it was... Cal Newport or James Clear, they're, they're kind of influencers who talk a lot about habits or, or things and, you know, not getting sucked into the news. And one of them looks up like January 2023 on Wikipedia and tries to see like, all right, what happened that's worth kind of sticking around? And that'll, not that Wikipedia is the best source of news, but they do that as a way of like, what 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 do I need to know that's probably going to be memorable about this month that sticks instead of the twenty four hour news cycle? I think there's a couple things that are really dangerous. Is that yeah? Is it it is a twenty four hour news cycle? The most horrific or scandalous stories sell. You have to so you have to keep that going. The one that breaks the fastest uh, gets the most. So you have to break it fast before you have all the information. Uh, you have to keep it going. You have to keep the hype up. I mean, even about like weather, like right before Christmas, it was like, we're going to have a blizzard and we're going to die days and everything. Before. <laughs> yeah. For days we were and, it, and it's just, an ever, and then it wasn't that bad. Um, it's interesting. I think generationally, you know, my parents and then other people like their age are still see traditional news as you know um reliable or or and i not, not naively i think they know that there's issues there but i think our generation and younger doesn't even bat an eye at that but are going to other more individual pl- places like yeah you like you said tiktok you're getting stuff from tiktok or you're getting stuff from twitter you're getting stuff and seeing what's trending and seeing how people are responding and it's more about how are people responding to a news idea and because then you know like all right it's their opinion anyways they're just telling me how, how you, they're responding to it not faking to be an objective source so yeah i, I it's really hard the algorithms drive everything it's hard to know what actually happened it's hard to know what to care about yeah and and i don't even know yeah right, i don't even know because if you if you ask me i would say like the biggest thing that's happened you know recently is probably like the war in ukraine and that did exactly one thing for me and it raised gas prices it's like i mean i mean that's like a that's like a global conflict right 
Like that's people losing so you're, their you're, lives. Yeah, you're saying, how is this affecting you? Like if you didn't know about right. it, it won't affect you? Right. It's like if I didn't know, I would be like, huh, why is gas more expensive all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. Well, it came, kind of came back down anyway. I mean, I, I would literally not even think, you know, so it's like, am I, it, should I care? Should I care? Like, am I get, I'm not getting drafted to go overseas? Is that something I should spend my energy on? Because that's something that's emotionally exhausting if you're just exposing yourself again and again to more news stories yep. that are just, they're emotionally manipulative. They're trying to get you worked up about something. And you can't really help. And what am I, yeah, what I mean, am I you, I mean you could maybe donate some money or, or I could put a flag on my Facebook page and say, I stand with Ukraine. But that's not really helping. I, I think <laughs> it's actually making a big difference, Ben. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think I've heard lots of psychologists and therapists really advocate and encourage people. Like first thing, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, turn off the news because it is made to keep you emotionally exhausted. And, and I need to know one more thing cause I need to know, you know, what's out there. And, um, so yeah, I would, I, if you turn off for three weeks, how much would your life change? You know, now sometimes you miss out, I think, on collective stories that kind of, um, that we, like this DeMar Hamlin uh, situation where this poor uh, football player uh, died. See, see, what, can someone fill me in? I don't oh, know what happened to him. Oh, so bad. So, yeah, just a couple Did he nights die? ago, he died and they revived him, but now he's in critical condition. 24 years old. You football know, player. Football player. Seemingly okay, stands up after making a tackle and then falls flat on his back. Um, they postpone the game, which is like unheard of. Yeah. Um, he was down for probably 45 minutes or more while they were coming in to work on him. They took him off and he's, you know, basically sedated and on oxygen. Yeah. Um, he's 24 years his old. Heart stop or something? Yeah. He got yeah. hit. Because he got hit right in the chest. And it just, the, just at a vulnerable like time in the heartbeat cycle, oh. like ever so split. It's just yeah. the right is my understanding of it. And um, you could just, you see all the other players and they're just, these are grown men crying, you know, for the entire world to see and watch. Yeah. Um, so like a story like that, like a yeah. collective, I mean, in Ukraine too, a collective we're all praying for, we're all concerned about and to be a part of the, the community of people who are suffering with um, these, these families. I can see that. But yeah, what is anxiety? It's like this fear about something I can't do anything about, right? And and that's what so much of the news is. It's stories about issues and things that I can't do anything about, which creates, you know, if you have some agency, that reduces anxiety. If, if I, I can do something about it, I, I, I have an answer to it, I can fix it, I can get involved, it, re, it brings everything down. Mm-hmm. But so much of the things are meant to keep you in that anxious state. You can't do anything mm-hmm. about it. You just got to keep your head looking over your shoulder for the next shoot a drop so i i don't think it's helpful and so i mean and this is this this just brings to mind what you were talking about with guilt and shame like uh guilt is an effect of something and you can do something because it's a it's a specific instance you can control right and shame is a cloud that follows you around yeah and so i'm wondering when you're, you're deciding what to do with your day are are you going to just take in all this information of stuff you can't control that's just going to like make you feel more nervous or or whatever right. it's just going to it's just going to get a rise out of you right. or do you just shut it off and you say i am only going to tackle the problems that greet me 
you know, on my way to work, while yeah. I'm at work, when I'm at home, with my family, with the people I know, right, with the exactly. people around me. Right. It depends on who you are, right? It depends on what you're capable yeah. of dealing with, right? But if you really, I know, if I you know really quite a few. can't help someone far away, why even bother to hear about it? That's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, are you going to be the person that, like, sponsors a kid in Africa? Are you going to do that? We do sponsor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was speaking, I was speaking. But as, uh, you know, I, know, question. I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I think. Um, th- exactly. That's that's how I that's my view is that, you know, especially first thing in the morning, you know, turning on the TV while you're eating breakfast and watching the morning news show. Like, I can't think of a worse way to start your day because <laughs> it, you're going to hear the, the, the most horrific things right away. And that's going to set your day up and you're already going to be kind of in that uh, fight or flight stress mode. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't see how that would be helpful. I do it every morning. Oh. And the kids want I watch together every single morning. Yeah, I know. Well, you can have you, you family are, news sesh. Yeah. Well, it, it's because I, I think I want to know mm-hmm. what is going on. But why? Um, just for the sake of reality. Like to me. I am okay. And you trust and you trust the news. Um, well, see, that's something else too I was gonna bring up. I mean, we had a friend who was a reporter here in Milwaukee. He's now in another state, but um one of the things that he complained about a lot when he was doing reporting was that he would have to like be really like intrusive with families who were grieving, mm. um, trying to really, you know, get the the story, the and story. get the juice and get you know, get all the inf- inside info from a family that was um you know, grieving over whatever. Um, so he didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess I, do I trust the news? Well, about as much as I trust anything, you know, it's like, well, God's got it figured out. I don't know. So I just like to know what's going on. Yeah. That's collective knowledge. Like, yeah. Something to talk about with strangers, you know, mm-hmm. oh, the war in Ukraine, huh? <laughs> you know, like something, you know, like, that'll just, get you. That'll get you, you know? Or I think, yeah, just, just to be aware of mm-hmm. the real world, mm-hmm. what is happening in the real world. People are dying. Mm-hmm. People are being shot in Milwaukee on mm-hmm. a, like a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Mm-hmm. But I, like, it, I know that it's happening. Mm-hmm. I think to ignore it, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? Like, I don't, I don't, that does not helpful to me. For me, it's like, what can I, I want to know things that I can do that I can do about it. But I, I also appreciate people who do watch the news. Cause usually it's like bill or I didn't know about DeMar Hamlin until somebody called me. And it's like, you, did you know about this? And, and so keep watching the news and then can you let me know what I should know I'll about? Filter. I'll that, filter. Yeah, like I'll I know filter if there's through. something I should yeah. care about. Yes. Yes. I can do that. Yes. Yeah. And I, it definitely is. I appreciate I think that's why I like maybe even getting things from other sources than the major news networks is because like they say they don't have a bias, but all of them do have a bias. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. people are just so openly, this is my bias. And (laughs) okay, we're going to get your bias and then I can go to the other person and know their bias. And did uh, you read that article that Pastor Bill sent about the, um, the trends for churches? Yeah. Okay. So like one of them, one of the points was the 2023 trends for thriving churches is content curation. Yeah. And I thought I had never thought about it this way, but it seems like 
um, content curation is like becoming a really big thing because there is so much information mm-hmm. out there and so many different biases and perspectives and whatnot. And what, what do I trust? What do I listen to? That if you can find a trusted pastor yeah. or a mentor or something that yeah. can kind of uh, curate the right. content, in other words, maybe putting together you know, a newsletter with, you know, highlights or reputable sources that that becomes like a really important resource for people. Mm -hmm. So instead of having to go through the internet or TikTok or the news and having to sort through everything on your own, you kind of have a trusted, and I think you're like that a lot too. Like you do that, you know, when you're reading all these books that I will never, ever read. (laughs) Um, but that I, you know, I trust your opinion on them and I, you know, you read Mm -hmm. them and you kind of summarize it and you get the Mm -hmm. point and you apply it to whatever we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, that to me is content curation mm-hmm. where I don't have to read it myself <laughs> or even make the decision. Is this, right. is this reputable or whatever? So right. I thought that was a good point. And that kind of reminds me of mm-hmm. um, sorting through news biases and stuff. Yeah. We don't need a lot. We're not starving for information. We're starving for we're, meaning. Yeah. We need somebody to help us process it mm-hmm. and tell us what matters. Mm-hmm. And, because when you see everything, you don't see anything that matters. But if somebody could highlight things and, and bring out what mm-hmm. matters, we need people to help us create meaning mm-hmm. out of a lot of information. Yeah. Church is the new news outlet because they'll just tie everything in with God's word and there say, you go. this is what matters, this is what doesn't. Well, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't know if I would put it that you don't want... You don't want to be so relevant on all the trendy ideas as a church in the sense of, like, especially from the pulpit, I think, where it becomes so irrelevant because you're trying to just be so edgy and cutting edge and biased and all that. But I think if you can show people how to have a balanced approach to life and a biblical approach to life, that can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do we solve so all your problems? Yeah, Matt? solving problems. Climbed yet another sycamore today. So you're not going to watch the news? <laughs> I don't. You never do. I don't ever like turn on the TV. I mean, I just hear bits and things from here and there, but... I can't imagine not knowing what was going on. I know, and sometimes I do feel like, oh man, I I kind of missed that. But it's like, well, is my life any different because of it? Oh. Like, what would I have done if I knew? Nothing. That's what I would have done. It just would have made me think about it for a minute. But you don't learn off of, like, I guess for me too, it's like a learning thing. Like, do you not get any knowledge off of, like, do you not, as a result of, I don't know, say the war in Ukraine, do you not then start thinking about like, well, how did we get here? What are the implications of this? Uh, you know, what, what are the resources at stake? What are like, do you not, like, I guess for me, it's like learn like you're learning when mm-hmm. you know about these stories. You know, Damar Hamlin, who knew that that was even a thing that your heart could beat in such a way that you'd get impacted at mm-hmm. such a time that it would do this thing and you learn. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I can't do anything about it. I can't go and help, you know, Ukraine. But. I think it's helpful if it helps you uh, learn and, and live in reality. I think when it creates paranoia ah. or, you know, I, heard this story about this shooter now i'm looking around every corner i can't go anywhere mm-hmm. um yes i i hear about this divide out there between republicans and democrats now i can't talk to my neighbor because they're from the other party and i'm sure they hate me and it's like so when everything gets inflated i think so is this kind of you're do we talk about this offline or online the, the conspiracy theorists oh offline yeah yeah i think before. It was before we 
turn the mics yeah. on, but uh, you know, I that's an extreme case where somebody is listening to so many different what fake news sources that they've built a whole art alternative reality in their brain and they live in a fake world. Well, I think even traditional news can lead you in that kind of mm-hmm. fake world where it, you, it it's so catastrophized that you are concerned about looking around the next corner mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because you heard that this is happening in your, you know, in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, almost like I hear about Ukraine. I live it right here, even though it's happening way over there yeah, and, right. in the sense, right. you know, I think some people do like, and I've heard of, you know, people I know who won't leave because they've heard something on the news. So mm-hmm. if it if it changes your life in negative ways, mm-hmm. if it creates information that you're like, I, this is helpful for me. Now I know how to react to this. That that's good, but I don't think it's always helpful. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email b sadler at victoryofthelamb.com. b s a d l e r at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.